0: Ciro el Patron! That is lock the gates in Spanish. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the God Weed Evan podcast. This is uh, our show, The Interviews. Uh, my name is Will nunziata. It has been a long time, huh? Uh, what have you guys been doing for the last two years? Anything? Anything? I've been watching a lot of TV. Uh, I'm pretty sure... Uh, if you have been living under a rock, there has been a global pandemic. Uh, we have been inside for years. And we're, it looks like we can see the sun. And it looks like we're going to be going outside soon. And the world is going to come back to normal. Ween is touring. And that is my light at the end of the tunnel. I'm so excited to see shows. Uh, I think I've forgotten uh, how to be social I've definitely forgotten how to be funny, uh, and I'm pretty sure I forgot how to interview people, uh, but today we're interviewing someone. We're interviewing Ed Wilson, who you might or might not know. Uh, I mean, his big ween cred is that he is the co-writer of Freedom of 76. That's cool. So we have him on the podcast today. Um So let's just give you some updates with the cast from the show. Uh, My name is Will. Uh, I had a baby this year. He's uh, now nine months old. I have a five-year-old and a nine-month-old. His name is uh, Seishadri Fish Nunziata, and he is the cutest little thing, and I've gotten to watch him every single minute of the day. Uh, Katie Hartman. Katie Hartman is engaged to be wed to one David Carl, a past guest of this show. How amazing is that? Uh... Paul Gutkowski, the Paul Gukowski, what's he doing? He's wearing a brown hat. He's wearing a brown hat everywhere. Every photo I see of him on social media, he's rocking a brown hat. So that's what he's been doing. And uh, producer Mikey, uh, I think think Mike is, Mikey, you just living the normal producer Mikey life? Living the dream. Living Living the, the dream. It's it's His life is amazing and mysterious. I have no idea what producer Mikey does, uh, but it's always fantastic. Um, uh, and then there's a, a guy named Evan. Evan Kaufman. I texted him and I said, uh, is there anything that you'd like me to share with the fans? And he says, uh, I miss you guys, but know that I am with you. Every time I see a ween meme online that I unfortunately understand. Um... <laughs> Yeah. So we're podcasting, podcasting, podcasting again. Nice. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to the here 30 podcast. Um, they are three dudes from Michigan, Joe, Josh, and John. And every week they, uh, pick a new album at, uh, uh, randomly from the internet and uh, of like uh, the top albums of all time. And th- it's one that they've never heard and they listen to it over the week and then they meet together at the end of the week to discuss it. I guessed it on an episode back in April. I'm going to be guessing on another episode uh, coming up in a few weeks. Uh, get it wherever you get podcasts here 30. Uh, it's a, it's a lovely podcast about uh, music. Um, Ween live shows are back. Uh, they just announced uh, some New York shows and shows in Detroit and Chicago Uh, And I'm pretty sure every month they're going to be announcing new shows. And uh, word to the wise, uh, when the tickets go on sale, buy the tickets right away. These shows are selling out uh, like, I think, like cakes that are hot. That's how fast that they are selling out. I was unable to get tickets for the three-night run they're doing in Port I'm sure that I'll be able to get a ticket from somebody, uh, but we're, I think we're all going to try to go up uh, definitely on the Friday night. I can't do Saturday, and then I'll probably back up on Sunday. Mike, you going to go to those shows? Absolutely. All right. Um, the, the, uh, the shows have been great. They're two and a half to three hours long of late. Um, they're playing... Uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer covers they're playing. They're pulling songs out like Cornbread Red and I Was Nothing. The shows have been phenomenal. And how have I seen these shows? Because if you go to Ween Stream Exchange on Facebook, some of the lovely, amazing Ween fans, uh, namely One Streamist, has been posting uh, live streams of the shows. And it's uh, it's been a real uh, godsend and treat in my life, to be able to sit in my living room. And at 11.30 p.m., I get to watch, you know, the ween show in um, Denver. And I got to watch the Halloween shows, and they were fucking phenomenal. Um, Go check it out. Uh, Today, uh, we are interviewing uh, fucking Ed Wilson. Ed Wilson, uh, if you don't know the name, um, he co-wrote Freedom of 76, he plays on uh, "Champagne Jam" on the studio version. He plays on, uh, he plays the slide guitar. Oh no, the what was it? The steel, the lap steel guitar and bass on "I'll Miss You," uh, and he was just a guy uh, that was around the scene, and he got involved with Ween, and Ween welcomed him into the family. And uh, he was, he's kind of like the teacher. He he was there for the entire growth of the band. Uh, it, it's a it's a great story. It's a great interview. Um, you're really going to love it. Um, did you know that Godwin Evan is a part of the Osiris Media Group? You didn't? Well, now you know. Uh, please go to I, Osiris Pod to see all the podcast offerings they have. They have great music podcasts, movie podcasts, comedy podcasts, and, of course, the Godwin Evan podcast. Uh, show them some love, OsirisPod.com. Uh, and now, I guess, without any further ado... Uh let's talk to fucking Ed Wilson.
1: No, no, no. Ed, Ed, play that Doobie Brothers song. <laughs>
2: Listen to the music.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like
0: that. <laughs> All right, on the phone with Ed Wilson. How are you, sir? I'm enjoying
3: a very um, um, global warming kind of afternoon here in New Jersey.
0: Yeah, it's uh, It's 70 degrees and gorgeous for some reason in Brooklyn. Um, this is going to sound terrible, but we have a person that comes to our house to clean our house once a month because me and my wife refuse to do it. And she came in today and said, it's a really nice day, huh? And she goes, "Yeah, those weather machines that government has are really turned on today." <laughs> well, so yeah, so ooh. she's queuing on, and she's she's cleaning my house, so that's that's cool. Wow, well, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Ed, for for those people who don't know you, let's kind of start from the beginning. Uh, where are you from?
3: I was originally from uh, just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. I was born in Burnsville, North Carolina, 1956, and from there, we um, unfortunately um, jumped up into New Jersey. <laughs> I hated leave. I hated leaving North Carolina, but we had to. My father was a moonshiner, and he got caught.
0: Get out of town.
3: No. No, not at all. My father was a musician. Um, he was enjoying um, some work. In he was a guitar player, um, a hillbilly picker, and uh, he worked with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of artists. Um, he used to go up to. Was friends with Chet Atkins, childhood friends, and and uh, that's the first person I saw playing guitar. Of course, my father. I'll send you a picture. Of um, the shack we lived in,
0: and um, so the first person you saw playing guitar was Chet Atkins,
3: my father. Oh, playing father? Ch- Chet Atkins style music. Oh,
0: I thought it was Chet himself.
3: No, the first person I saw playing guitar. That's a good question, actually. Well, I have some stories to tell. I've, I've, uh, I've had an interesting career. If you have hours, I can talk for hours. But you know, maybe part two and part three at some time. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> You know, so is but, that uh,
0: is that when you picked up guitar um, because your dad was playing?
3: Yeah, I kind of picked up the guitar because my dad was playing, and I wasn't all that impressed with it um, at first because it was difficult to play. Um, only having access to his guitar, which was bigger than I was, and um, the, uh, the string height, the action, as we call it, mm-hmm. was so high you could hang your clothes off of it. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, it was very hard to push the strings down. And I, st- I started at age seven, um, and uh, it, I really didn't uh, really get into it until I was about nine years old, which where I got my first electric guitar. I was hit by a car at age eight; uh, rather messed up from that. And we sued the cat who's drunk driver sued the cat and. Uh, my mother walked me down to the local music store where I picked out a, a Fender guitar and an amplifier. And that's how I earned my first electric guitar. Wow. And getting hit by a car at 60 miles an hour. Oof. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, and it changed me completely because I was a, I was a kid interested in sports. I was very competitive. I was the fastest kid in school. I could run forever. And after I got hit by the car, it changed me uh, a lot. I just uh, I don't know. I got whacked out yeah. from that hit, and and uh, spent a lot of time just playing guitar in my bedroom, and that that lasted forever. Very introverted um, person at that age, all the way up until, gosh, I, you know, I had a band at twelve years old, and then I had a, a working band, and by the time I was seventeen, I was making more money than my both my parents combined. Um, I had a Led Zeppelin. Um, uh, tribute band before they were uh, fashionable popular and um, that was the bassist that
0: and what was that band called I
3: don't know it was a combination Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and we called it (laughs) Zabbath
0: Zabbath that is great
3: Zabbath and uh, we we get a lot of tail that's all (laughs) I remember
0: (laughs) it's uh, a, endless and, and endless. It's like early early mid 70s 74
3: to 70 74 to 77
0: and you're kind of doing the and you're like 16 17 years old in this this cover band and 17 to 21 17 to 21 and you're basically just i'm assuming playing clubs in jersey and pennsylvania kind of like northeast kind of Area?
3: Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York State, Catskills. Um, there were all, there were factories all over at that time, everywhere in the U.S. that converted into huge, super huge um, rock places. It was nuts. Like like a, like a um, in Jersey. I'm trying to remember where the city was. South Jersey somewhere. Um, I remember an uh, an Acme. Supermarket being converted into this huge club, and there were two stages or three stages. And from like seven o'clock till four in the morning, you would have like bands like rotating off these stages. It was nuts, it was amazing. Yeah, I
2: mean,
0: what, that
3: was what, what went on in the 70s. I mean, this is it's 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 so wimpy now, man. It's ridiculous
0: rock and roll There's... or the music business
3: the music business or or whatever is left of that. I mean, it was, it was just amazing back then.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, rock was king in the seventies. It's, it's probably if I have to, it's probably my favorite decade of culture. And, you know, and I, I had to experience it all. uh, You know, I experienced the seventies in the late nineties and early two thousands. And, you know, all the films of that time, all the music of that time, uh, was just I mean just blew me away on how many you know third eyes were opened in that period oh, of music. gosh
3: yes we we had we had fantastic years as kids as uh, teenagers young teenagers so even from 12 to whenever I and then I guess when the band broke up which I was early bummed out about but eh, whatever it happens I think the lead singer became a Jehovah's Witness and that put a Kabosh on that.
0: Yeah, that'll that'll,
3: really that'll ruin a rock band. Yeah, it ruins everything. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it was it was just a it was gosh, Almighty! I'm glad I lived it. Yeah. I, I'm glad I witnessed it. I, I, you know, uh, it's um, the only the only thing that I, I I struggle with today is modern music because of hearing the best of everything. You know, the format is still the same. Guitar plays drums, you know. Music, whatever you know, but and and what a hard act to follow for these the bands out there today, knowing that the best of the best was created back then. No one's been able to top it.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you, let me
3: bring Ween into the picture on that comment. Ed, back, you're great.
0: What, I love it. Go on. What
3: what 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 attracted me to Ween after uh, uh, you know getting to know them and what they were all about. These guys just were t- t- the most enthusiastic uh, two uh, dudes that I've I've ever met in my life after the seventies, eighties, nine, whatever. And, and it was it was it, these guys just loved music so much. It was they lived and breathed it twenty four seven. And 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 they're they're so dysfunctional. These guys, which is. You know but but their' you know their passion for music and listening to music and their ability to absorb this and then and use those influences and then spit it out their way,
0: yeah, it's like a weird vessel sponge situation, yeah
3: totally totally it, it, it just it was mind blowing especially mostly aaron's you know classic rock stuff, you know um I remember when we worked together in el taco loco in new hope and i i had uh, discovered this cassette tape in a player there and we we put it on and we heard some of the most amazing music ever and it was lost to the stuff to me i was like what is this what is this and i eventually found out that it was a, um, a neil merriweather album no one's ever heard of you know this guy or this record but this was some really really cool psychedelic stuff and I that's I believe that's where Captain Fantasy and don't don't, don't get too close to to, to my fantasy. I believe those two tunes came from that. Him just listening, and we were mind blown. We were stoned out of our minds too, working at El Taco Loco too. This is you know, uh, it wasn't that hard to make a burrito. So um, <laughs> you know, you could do that. You know, you know pretty um, buzzed out.
0: I mean, um, just, just the fact that you and Aaron are working together at El Taco Loco, El Taco Loco, in, in what year would this be? This is 89,
3: 90? 90, 90, 90, I guess. Whenever, just before they get signed to Twin Tone.
0: Wait, so l- let's take a quick step back. Your Sabbath breaks up, and then where do you find yourself? In like geographically, in your life, and like wh- I wh- ran away
3: to New York City. Um, one day, I just up and decided to um pack a bag of clothes and grab an acoustic guitar and a gig bag, and a couple hundred bucks. and um hitchhiked from and put a put my van at somebody's a friend of mine in his house for storage. And, um, I hiked from Pennington, New Jersey to Princeton, New Jersey, where I took a bus and, uh, landed in New York and walked down to the village. And I spent about, this was 1977, mm-hmm. May of 1977, end of May. And, which was a smart time to run away because it's warm yeah. and, um, I um, ended up, you know, homeless for a couple of weeks, sleeping in hospitals, churches, YMCA's. Very scary. Um, Park benches.
0: Yeah, in Washington Square Park. If my history is correct, in like '77 in New York, was that um, right when? Yeah, and like, and New York was underfunded. The Bronx was burning. Is this all around the same time?
3: Damn. Totally scary, but very cool at the same time. Yeah, you know, um, I'm in the village. You know, I'm walking. I'm I'm sitting every day on the corner of Bleeker and Sullivan. You know, on the steps that where Bob Dylan wrote songs. You know, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling that back then. And
2: I'm
3: work, I'm working at. I'm working at. I'm working at CBGBs in Maxis, Kansas City, as a fill-in sound band. Holy, who, you know, who did you see come I'm, through? Everybody. Holy shit. Everybody. I would hang with some of the craziest people and some of the craziest shows. And then I, I was in a cover band, not a cover band, an original band um, for a little while, and, and we we played some clubs up there. That was short-lived. But still, um, the people that I've opened up for, it's ridiculous, you know, um, to name a few. Talking Heads, Elvis Costello. Uh, well,
0: I, I mean, seventy-seven. You're there for the Ramones, the, you're there for the Birth of Blondie.
3: Yeah, I I would see Blondie all the time. I would see all these people all the time, hanging out in the village, you know, different places, different cafes, coffee shops. You know, beautiful, amazing. Um, mom-and-pop places, you know.
0: Uh, Yeah, my uncle... You want to call them that. (laughs) My uncle, rest in peace, uh, had an apartment on McDougal Street that he got from Mary, from Peter, Paul, and Mary.
3: Oh, yeah, Mary Travers. Yeah, Yeah.
0: and he lived in her apartment on uh, McDougal, uh, and it was still rent-controlled up until, you know, like 10 years ago, and he was paying $200 a month for this gorgeous, like, huge studio on McDougal with all this history. And, and every time I would go visit him, I would get, like, another story of the village, you know, at its peak. Uh, yeah. And it yeah. was just great, amazing stuff. Just amazing music, poetry, theater. Everything was happening mm-hmm. there.
3: I, I I probably saw every musician you could possibly imagine, famous and, and, and whatever, in New York City and, and had some sort of connection with them or a run-in or, or whatever, shared a moment, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I um, I played um, some some music in a village, but I was more preoccupied. I got into cooking in New York City, actually. I, I, I like to cook. So I cook, and I, I I'm also a gardener, so I did a lot of rooftop gardening back then. I did whatever I wanted to do for money. I gave lessons, uh, private lessons. I, I I did some paintings, even you know, back in the time. I can oil painting. I don't, I haven't done it in years, but I did whatever I felt like doing, and could make money from it. That and and lived extremely comfortable. I mean, my first apartment, it was it was free for the first year. A, a, a guy discovered me on on the streets. Of, uh, uh, near washington uh, square park Washington Square park and and um, he gave me a a, a third what was the third fourth floor 5,000 square foot factory kind of open place Oh, the an angel and you know the beautiful old wooden floors and, and brick walls and big windows and all those it, it would breeze like hell in the winter because of that and, right. Uh, air conditioning. We didn't have that. We just opened the windows and all of that. It was, it was we roughed it in in certain seasons for sure. I I didn't, I didn't do a whole lot of music. It was kind of a break from it. You know, Uh, I was involved in music but I didn't really do, you know, I, I wrote some songs with bands and so forth but nothing ever materialized. Came close to getting signed a couple of times only for that to fall apart, you know. But, uh, story of my life
0: and I bet rare. you're looking looking <laughs> back those 10 years flew by right
3: those 10 years were the happiest years of my life actually they really were
0: uh, let's uh, let's let's bring it back around to Ween so where
3: bring it back down to Ween
0: uh, who was it that you first met and how is it Aaron or Mickey
3: I met Aaron at El Taco Loco and then after he split uh, we were like what what happened to him where did he go no one knew um and then uh it was just a couple of months later. Um I was invited by the promoter booking booking agent from City Gardens in Trenton, New Jersey to come and watch this these two crazy guys play. Ed, you're going to love them. They're they're nuts. You'll I, I know somebody like you will will find this pretty uh entertaining. Um, they play with underwear on their heads and with a four track live. And I'm like, that's a ballsy. Okay. I'll come in. I'll come and check that out for sure. And uh, he's, they're hilarious. They write great songs. You're going to roll over. Cause you have, you, you know, you like stuff like that, funny stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Um, I believe it, that was the night after I was hanging out with Sam Kinison there um, after he did a show. Um, in front of twenty people, I believe he was pretty upset at that. But that's Trenton for you.
0: Was he screaming, um, Sam Kinnison? Then, or was he? Uh, oh yeah, he,
3: oh yeah, the yep. crazy preacher, totally. Yep. And um, so, anyway, uh, I could I could talk forever about City Gardens. Uh, unbelievable, unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and that's
3: um, in that Trenton, that's That's right? another. Yeah, it's another podcast we can talk about that. that you know that that helped wean out significantly.
0: Yes, they did a lot of early this. shows there, and then their most infamous oh, yeah. show was opening for Fugazi on March nineteenth, nineteen ninety-one. The night that's, that everyone I think remembers. That's the first time I saw them was yeah. that show.
3: Was that show? Hope. Yeah, that was the show. He said they're opening up for Fugazi, and I went, "Who dares open up for Fugazi? <laughs> oh my God, they're going to get crucified, man! Are you kidding me? The Fugazi audience? Oh man!" He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could get ugly." And I was like, "Okay, Randy, yeah, that's that's the, the book, guy, Randy." Now, uh, and and um, he said, "Just just come and watch," and and I did, and we watched from the side dressing room that overlooked the stage, like a balcony thing. And and um, I I just my mouth just dropped to the floor when they came on stage, and I was like, "Oh my, okay, these yeah. guys are." Gloriously fucked up, dudes. I know that. I know. I can just tell these guys are just out there. Yeah, man.
0: Literally and, and spiritually.
3: This is like, wow. Okay. Speechless, actually. It went after the first song, which I believe was You, you Fucked Up or whatever that's called. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, whoa, I'm looking around, you know, and no one is digging this at all. No one is digging this, these two guys. At, at all there's the, the fugazi audience of course and they're, get off the stage you blah 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 blah. you you, you asshole hardcore straight teams. edge suck. yeah yeah
2: yeah and yeah.
3: even though uh, you know you fucked up it's, it's it's harder core than that i mean than fugazi you know fugazi is nothing compared to the hardcore please Ween could be whatever they wanted at, at any moment. And I recognize that going from, from you fucked up to don't laugh. I love you. <laughs> or Something like that. Yeah. I was like, Whoa, what a jump that is, man. Wow. That's hilarious. I was just that's a this, brilliant, it's a brilliant
0: little pop song. Wow. I was, I was reading this article right before we got on. And during that show, as Gina is picking gum out of his hair and being cursed mm-hmm. at by the audience, there are also, I think tripping on mushrooms during this show. I'm not a hundred percent sure. And telling the audience yeah. that they are that they are fucked up on Mushrooms. They played Ozzy yeah. Osbourne and Lita Ford's uh, Close My Eyes Forever. And then they yeah. busted out Cat Stevens' uh, Where Do the Children Play in front of Fugazi yep. audience, which is, uh, that is punk. That is total punk.
3: That got me too. That got me too. I went, well, you just jumped from, Cat Stevens actually is one of my favorite artists. But um, uh, I-, I was like, wow, these dudes listen to music too. Interesting. And were you you
0: watching that? Did you know this was Aaron from El Taco Loco before he stepped on stage? Yes, I had a
3: conversation with uh, with Randy prior to that. Going, uh, he's familiar. We worked at and then and Aaron remembered me.
2: He's like, Hey, how you doing, man?
3: And so forth. Uh, And I was like, Wow, okay, this is your band. This is the band you talked about. You had. And the fact that you played a private party somewhere and you're getting signed or got signed or whatever. And, and here it is. Okay, cool. Wow. Um, And um, so um, I offered my services that night to them, whatever you need, I'm on board. Um, I'm a guitar tech. Um, I'm whatever. I've been playing guitar forever. Randy introduces me as the greatest guitar player he's ever heard. Um. Uh, or the greatest guitar player in the tri-state area, or something like that. You know, this is Ed. Uh, you want to you want to hang with Ed, and then they were like, "Cool, let's hang." And that was that. We we started hanging, and, um,
0: and I know no, when we no. spoke the other day. You you have been you were you have set foot and jammed out and played inside their apartment or the horse stable that was called the Pod. What? Yes. What was that space like? First, my first question is: What did that space smell like? Can you remember what that space smelled like?
3: Um. I, well, I have a lousy sense of. I've historically a lousy sense of taste and smell, um, due to nasal polyps.
2: <laughs>
3: so I was spared that in a way, <laughs> um, and I never went there during during the hot days or or uh, the. Uh, uh, whatever I I hung out there primarily in in the fall winter at the time in, at the pod there, um, and um, I didn't get any any of that All right, whiff good. of that. But just it, the horse manure pretty...
0: and, and everything that was they were surrounded by. So what uh, what would what would those uh, let's just call them sessions? What would the sessions at what, what were the sessions at the pod like?
3: I would just call up or they would call up and we would meet and hang and um, they would ask me to come and listen to this and listen to that. And and, uh, just, uh, just hang and, and um, gosh, there was a flurry of of recordings that I did and I can't remember exactly um, how many things they asked me to solo over on their, on their four track and I've never seen two guys more passionate about recording, especially on a little cassette four track. Um, I had um, that four track that God, we'd say in the pod and a bunch of other things were recorded on Mickey gave me that four track. Wow. And I don't know what happened to it. Honest to God, I don't know what happened to it. To and-
0: quote Indiana Jones, that belongs in a museum.
3: Yeah, or I could maybe have possibly sold it and retired on it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, auctioned it on on the site or something. But, uh, yeah, it was a historic piece, and I thought I had tracked it once, and it was an embarrassing moment when I said to Mickey, I found it, and I'm going to get it back to you, and it didn't turn out Uh. as such. And I was totally, like, just totally bummed. And, uh, but... uh, you know, it was recording many things on that. Um, and, uh, I was so close to being the only person I remember that they were going to record a song of mine that I completely wrote and made up at the moment. And they were just blown away by it. Of course they were so, they were so <laughs> that night, I remember they were so whacked out. Um, I don't know what they were on that night, but, um, all they kept doing was, was, Ed, play on this and play on this, play on this, play on this, play on this. And okay. Okay. And it went for hours and hours and hours. And, um, I, I, uh, came up with this song about slavery or something. And I think we called it Massa Jones. And it was something like, it was really intense. And, and they were like, Whoa, we have to have that on our record. And I'm like, what? can you do that again? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's way too heavy duty. Um, uh, what I just did. It was, it was, I don't know. I just scared myself doing it. So, uh, I, I no, <laughs> so, you know, there were, there were moments like that. And he looked at me like puzzled, like, you know, why won't you let us have that? You know, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I I just don't think, that, that's a cool song I don't know why that came out of me oh wait a minute no I'm stoned too now of course you
2: gave me, you
3: gave me a couple of hits and me on me getting high oh my god it's just it's just not good um, unfortunately
0: but it created that but, song Ed
3: yeah it did create that song I, I, I do write some really bizarre stuff when I get to this day uh, the stuff is too hybrid now for for me to even handle I use it for sleeping Yeah, that's it but anyway, uh, those guys, I, I um, I, again, never saw more passion come out of two, two, dudes, and so and so connected to each other, so like you two are the greatest, like buddies I've ever seen in my life. Man, you guys are tight. That,
2: wow, that's, you're, like,
3: you're like brothers. You're like really like brothers. I understand. You know the whole Dean Ween, Jean Ween thing. I understand that and
0: that what, what feeling like so i got into ween in i would say right before chocolate and cheese or right around chocolate and cheese and the feeling that came through the music was like this is like this is going to sound weird like you could tell that the people who were making it loved it and also loved each other and that was yeah. able to that was able to come through my speakers like and it it was also welcoming in a way where it's like, come, come with us. Like, get these jokes. Like, laugh with us. Enjoy this music. Like, we're enjoying it. And that was something that I didn't get out of you know Nirvana or, or Pearl Jam bands that I loved at the time. But th- there, w- there was always a wall with other bands, and ween. You know, it was like a door, and the door was open and it said, "Come, come with us. Join us. Come with us on this journey." And that that is, I mean, I and I witnessed
3: that. that. I I witnessed that. I went, oh my God, there's some sort of thing happening here with this generation, that they're gonna, they're, they're, you know, with with these guys, you know, that the, the real the real deal is happening. You know, that's how I saw it. You know, I mean, the real deal happened back in the early '60s or late '60s. Where people said we're playing this, and this is what we're going to play, and we love it, and and all, and then that disappeared. You know, disco came along. Rock bands burnt out. They got too good. You know, things got too slick. Um, you know, um, it just it just went somewhere and then died
0: because yeah, I think, I think rock, rock and roll got co-opted. I think, I think people in the eighties and not every band in the eighties, but a lot of, a lot of bands in the eighties realized that they could, they could just fake it. They could, they can do what they did. Like they can, you know, all the, all that glam metal bullshit is just a direct ripoff of Zeppelin. And, but, and yeah. just, and just distilled into its gaudiest, like sparkliest parts and, and, and projected, a thousand feet. And right. and it's like, it's devoid of, uh, of the soul of, you know, of, of rock and roll. It was, it's like well,
3: synthesizers, synthesizers came in and, and it was, it was so early in the scheme of synthesizers. I mean, I, I still don't know what to think about synthesizers, but um, um, it, it, boy, I mean, it, it combine that with the second British invasion, which was absolutely ghastly. Um, you know the the Thomas Dolby crap and and the um, Thompson oh, the, Twins the thing stuff, and all yeah. that, all of that was just oh man, I couldn't believe people were were bought into that. But that's commercial music. The history of commercial music always has always been you know you you've had to go through the shit you know and listening on AM radio or or even FM radio. Back then, you had to listen to a lot of crap before something cool came on. Right. You know, it's always been that way historically with commercial music. Um, I don't expect the masses, didn't expect the masses to, to, millions and gazillions of people to embrace Ween. I was even surprised they attempted a single. You know, yeah, it, it, um, it was surprising many that times.
0: Elektra signed them. I mean, it was, they, they just got caught up in, in that, that grunge wave of, this, of changes coming let's sign every single band, not every single band, but let's sign every band uh, that could, you know, help this, this wave become a, a tidal wave. Um, and they signed so many, so many bands and tried to shove them into this little box. And ween is a band that doesn't, you know, live in a box. They live literally every track on the album is a different box that they break out of. And, and it, right. I, something yeah. new. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And yeah. so, so Chocolate and Cheese comes out and, uh, and Ed, the thing that you are famous for in the Ween community is you, you, what is it? You helped write the song. You have co-publishing. You, you wrote the, the licks. Tell us the story of Freedom of 76.
3: I had a songwriting partner back then who I lived with, a uh, wonderful female lyricist, batshit crazy, but, um, you know, um, That's what it took for her lyrics, you know, which were to me brilliant. And, um, but anyway, um, I'd come up with this progression, this chord progression that I liked a whole bunch. And, um, I sat down with her and she started singing and writing and I was just like, I don't like what you're doing to this, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I sold it and, um, one day as I was heading to, um, oh, I'm trying to uh, something farms Brookwood I, Farms, I, I, uh, uh, I know exactly they lived that. on mm-hmm. um, it. Was the second place that Aaron lived in after the pod, the next place, um, Briarwood? Something, Brook, Brook something farm, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, anyway. and Brookfield, something like that, yeah, um, which was a very Cool old farmhouse, I believe, and a lot of fun. Another another time, we could talk about the episodes there. Right, you know. that, that's the but, house that's but, on the back uh, of pure guava. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the, that was the center of the universe for everybody. Um, you know, was getting to know Ween, and and, and Ween just let everybody in. You know. Which was a, a great thing. They let everybody in. They, you know, whoever come over to the house and hang, all of New Hope and Lambertville, everybody, you you come and hang. Right. Yeah. It was it was something else. It was like a you know, just a, a cool seventies thing happening again. You yeah. know, the way the way it was back in the seventies. We had where I lived uh, in just before I went away to New York City was a, a little colonial farm town called Hopewell, New Jersey. And there was the same thing was going on there. You had a bunch of hippie people and musicians who lived on these great big, huge farms and barns. We had so many amazing barn parties. You wouldn't believe the barn parties that went on. And they were just, they were just amazing, you know, and, uh, and you know, you would have, uh, barns converted into just party places, you know, and you would have all of these, these talented uh, young guys, uh, going, let's build a fireplace in the barn, you know, and and that way we can party in the wintertime. Let's build our own strobe lights. Everybody built everything back then. It was so just like, it was just one of, it was like that. It was just so amazing how back then. But, you know, and then so they started doing this again, late 80s, early 90s, you know, uh, with, with farms again. You know, they were, the rent was still affordable. Um, you get a bunch of guys to go live out in the middle of nowhere on, on a hundred acre farm, you know, that, that was possible back then. Right. You know, it's not possible now. I live on a 500 acre farm. now, And the only reason I'm, and I live in a 300 year old rundown farmhouse and I absolutely love it, you know? Um, and the rent is cheap compared to what's going on now, you know, for the price of, I put, well, I, I pay for the price of a, what it costs for a one-bedroom apartment in New Hope or Lambertville, New Jersey? I pay for a living on so a farm. Brookridge
0: Farm, oh, Brookridge.
3: That's Brookridge.
0: Yeah, very Brookridge. So, um, so this, so, yeah, so but anyway, scene uh, reminded you of the '70s scene, and there, all these people yeah. are coming in, all these musicians, all these right. just creatives, yeah. and you bring in these chords, these magic chords.
3: One night on the way over there. I just had this feeling. Um, hmm, maybe I should show this progression too. Well, nope. I went to Mickey's house that night. That's what it was. I went to Mickey's house in New Hope, where he was living, and I showed him this chord progression. I said, "It's about time you learn something like this." <laughs> um, and what this is all about, and you guys have been have been uh, shrugging off theory and all that, but are you guys, as you progress and get older, you're going to find your musical tastes are going to change and you're going to want knowledge. I don't care what you say. You're not going to be punk forever. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be a weasel forever. You know, pop is it. You're not going to be any of those. You're not going to be any of those when you're, when you're uh, even a a few years from now, you're going to think that, you know, just, just what you did when you were younger, right. you know, you're going to, you're going to progress. You're going to age, unfortunately.
2: <laughs>
3: so, um, and your music taste will change. And so here, here it is, you know, um, here's a progression and, a, a progression. What is a progression? I said, okay, <laughs> I, you guys should learn some stuff maybe, you know, and, uh, and I'll teach you, you know, um, if you'd like, and uh, your first lesson is going to be how these chords work in this particular thing that I wrote. So I showed Mickey that. He was just fascinated by it. He was, you know, wow, I've never felt like my hands like change like this and, and these kinds of chords. This is a beautiful chord. What is it? I'm like, well, it's a major seventh chord, <laughs> you know, um, and this is a minor seventh chord. And you're going to learn how to move these two things together. You're going to learn, you know, that there's that there's more to music if you if you really want to embrace this. There's more to music than just these, you know, simple, you know, punk chords or or you know the simple uh, chords that you're you're playing. You know, uh, just uh, right. there's
0: something uh, beyond power chords.
3: There's something. Yeah, exactly. So you know. So anyway, uh, Mickey loved it, and. I uh, I went the next day because I had a bass part for it, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to show Aaron the base part." And just out of curiosity, I want to see if these guys hook up with this. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know it, it was almost a psychic thing. It was because I mean, I was kind of connected that way, you know, um, and um, you know, very dedicated in, in helping them. Out in any way that I possibly could, and they, they were really—they they really embraced me back then on, on whatever my ideas were and all the rest of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, th- I thought, well, hey, I'm going to show Aaron the spacebar part and making this spacebar. part. They get together on it, fine. If they don't, fine. Whatever. Um, and uh, gosh, it was just several months later I get a call from—they never said anything about it. Uh, 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 I didn't even know they were recording a next album, I, you know. Um, and and uh, I was very busy myself too. I I would pop in and uh, but I was I was a singing bass player in a blues band at the time, and I was touring all over the place. Mm. So whenever I wasn't touring, I'd stop in and and hang with them, you know. Um, and uh, so I, I, a couple of months later, I get a call from Dave Ayers, their management. Dave Ayer's management. Damn management. It's called very quickly. Oh, that song that you wrote on, on, um, and it's, I didn't even get a call from Mariner. Mickey. <laughs> I'm getting a call from their manager. I'm like, oh, they're signed to a major label now. Hmm. Okay. Rock stars. You're sending your, sending your agent to they're, call they're me here. Yeah. you yeah, your people now. It's funny. Um, so Dave is, is, uh, yeah, yeah the song you wrote with ween and i said oh the song i wrote with ween i wrote a song with ween huh what do you mean oh the song is called freedom of 76 it's being played on the Jane show today some cable program uh they went ahead and and did something with this um you didn't know about this and i'm like no and he goes oh well you could go and sue us if you'd like but it's going to be on the Jane show at about 2 p.m this afternoon and i went okay. Uh, He said, oh, I suggest you get up to New York and register with one of the publishing people, BMI or ASCAP, choose one of them. And I said, uh, really? Okay. Uh, when should I do that? And he says, well, as quick as possible. How quick should I do this? He goes, well, what are you doing tomorrow? (laughs) Well, well, the show airs at two, so you
0: got to get there before two.
3: Yeah right. It didn't. It didn't happen. But I said, okay, I'll let these. All right. So I'm writing a song with Ween, in there, and he said, well, you're getting half the publishing, and I went, fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Wow. Thank you, Ween. So a song I wrote is going to be on a Ween album CD. Well, that's that's pretty damn cool. Um, and you know, I'm digging the guys. I'm not going to bust their balls about it or anything. I'm I'm cool about it. Um, so uh, I I'm like. So what do I do? He goes, catch a train or however you get into the city. I'll meet you. I'll take you into the office of the vice president or president of BMI. We'll sit down. I said, oh, so you want me to do BMI? He said, well, weans, BMI. How about if you keep it in the family? I'm like, okay, there's not much difference between those brothers companies. So whatever. So bring along, you know, um, $300. And I went, what? Well, that's how much it costs to, 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 to uh, register with that's a one-time fee, membership fee. I'm like, dude, I am flat fucking broke. What do you mean, three hundred dollars? That's a lot of money to me right now. I mean, I I I just got off a tour and I don't have any money. <laughs> you know, that just all went to rent and utilities and car payments and whatever else. I'm I'm broke. He goes, well, I had to sell one of my guitars. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> That evening, I just I think it's probably I. had down to one guitar left or something, sold it and, and uh, just to get the money together. So I went up there and, and registered and Dave took me out to, to dinner somewhere or whatever. And, and uh, that was that. And I still didn't hear from these guys, you know, <laughs> like for whatever, what's going on. They what'd didn't you, want to talk about it. They you were think just of like, the
0: song? What'd you think I didn't of what, like it. You didn't like it.
3: No, I didn't like it at all. Get quite honest with you. I was fascinated with it and thought Aaron's voice was absolutely amazing, but it is nowhere near how I envisioned the song to sound. Sure. Um, I. um, I. um, I. Well, I'd I'd already been a musician for how many years, and I mean, I, I had already another another th- i'm influenced by a lot of early soul stuff and what i think is genius work from like artists like marvin Gaye and stevie wonder and all this kind of stuff and i i thought it fell short of that i i i envisioned it as as a philadelphia soul song and i came to find out later that that's what they were looking for something like that on their 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 uh next cd they we were hoping to write something like that like a philly soul song and here it was, I dropped it in their lap. I think I, I believe that's when Aaron said, uh, and I was like, okay, I, but I, I guess I just didn't like the arrangement that much. Sure. Um, and that's just my personal, my personal taste. I'm going to record it myself. Um, hopefully in the next couple of months and, uh, just get that out of my brain as to what i I wanted to, to you know to just get out of my body and onto onto a, a recording, so I can get that out of my system and hear it the way I would want to hear it, you know. Um, and uh, uh, the lyrics were pretty trippy. I've never had a bacon steak. <laughs> I have I I had no clue that, that uh, what a bacon steak was.
0: Um, I mean, looking and, looking back now, are are you able to appreciate the song? differently or do you still have those same kind of feelings uh like your gut feelings when you first heard it
3: it is what it is you know i listen to it and there there are there are things that i like about the funny the funny thing boys to men still keeping with the beat as i understand it they asked boys to men to be on that and they went oh hell no (laughs) because they they're there's something to do with their contradiction or with their religion you mentioned a hoe ho on South Street if you change the lyrics that will then, we'll, then we, we, we we would consider but you guys are sinners you know so
0: oh my god could you imagine boys to men featured on freedom of 76?
3: That was, that was a, I believe, as Aaron called it, that would have been a big dream come true. Like a, one of the coolest things that could happen, but it just didn't. You I know?
0: think that would have solidified Philadelphia as the ultimate city of all time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, boom, boom, definitely. Boom, 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 da-da. Freedom of say Then, anyway. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know. What, what's very cool about this, Ed, is that you were, quote, the guy like you were the guy, this is, you know, I remember when I was figuring out guitar, I had the internet. I didn't have a guy. I had, a. I, I had, you know, chord charts and I was able to try to figure out all these chords. But before this, you needed a guy and you were, you were Ween's internet, you know? It's like you, you were the guy that, that helped them. And like, and that song, that record is, is such a, you know, it's like a demarcation point in, in the ween discography where you could see nothing but growth from that point on. Like you could say the first three records are all, you know, pieces of the same pie. They're, they're, they're lo-fi, they're dirty, they're punk, they're weird, they're trippy. And then this record came out and it's like, Oh, these guys can write and sing songs. Like these are big idea songs. These are different songs. Uh, actually,
3: it's, it's before it actually happened. As far as chocolate and cheese, it happened a little, a little bit before that. It happened on, the, as I understand from Mickey, it happened on the pure guava um, uh, record, uh, especially and um, pushed the little daisies. I had some input on that. Um, Alan called me up one day and said, "Can you show me some Jiminy Mitchell clips?" And I said, yeah, they're major seven, he goes, I don't want to know anything about that. I just want, I just want you to come and physically show me some Tony Mitchell chords, you know, fuck that theory, shit, you know? And I'm like, you're not going to say that one day. I'm guaranteeing you're not going to say that one day. Well, yeah, I'm not ready for it, man. I'm not ready for it, but I'm, I'm just like, no, I just want to, I have this idea in my head and, and I, and I can't get, I can't get the, my hands to do with my head to hear, right? My head to hear, you know, so. It's, uh, and I am listening to Joni Mitchell. for his invite here, I can't figure this shit out. And I am like, that's what she's doing alternate tunings. Mm. She's a, she's an alternate tuning master, you know. Um, and she has her own language on the guitar, you know, and 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 and, and all the rest of it. She goes, "Oh man, I am so fucking stupid," you know. Like, no, you are not. No, she knows theory, dude. <laughs> you know, she she does. She's a keyboard player, you know, first and foremost. You know, most keyboard players have have. Theory under their belt. I can you know, only they have to learn that.
0: Way. that struggle, actually, of, of hearing a record and, like, with the guitar next to the record, trying to figure out this chord. And, you know, you don't have an internet to click on to be like, oh, I have to tune the B string to an E. And that's how this happens.
3: Okay. Oh, that's all we ever had, man, from, from day one of, of, of me having a little portable record player all the way up until whenever CDs and I still couldn't handle CD I hated the sound of CDs I hated the compression I hate so did ween. as a matter of fact we were we were we were what we shared and and what we had in common was the love of vinyl and analog listening too you know that 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 really impressed me with these guys because in you know, these were you know LPs had had disappeared and here these guys are buying records and playing records and, and Mickey worked out, at the Princeton Record out, Exchange. And wanting to put know? out
0: their albums as records.
3: Yes, exactly. That was that was a big dream of theirs. They couldn't wait to get it on vinyl. You know? And uh, I always felt so cool when, you know, they would, you know, add here's a copy of God Ween Satan or The Pod or whatever, or Pure Guava or whatever. Here, it's on vinyl. It's yours, man. You oh. know? like wow so i'm you know i hadn't accomplished much up until uh, at all up until the point where where these guys give me a copy of chocolate and cheese and i'm like oh my god i I wrote a song with you dudes and it's on fucking vinyl i can die now happy
0: that's so nice
3: you know that 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 in in itself was just a great day Uh, i probably i probably cried somewhere (laughs) you know i probably went oh my god thank you
0: Yeah, man, to be a musician and to finally just be handed, like, your record. Like, you're on here. That's that's a great feeling. I mean, you know, it's like, for me, I do comedy. The people on the podcast do comedy. To be put in a movie, to be put in a TV show, or a commercial even, it's such a good feeling that your work gets out and can be taken in. And, you know whatever the, you know the, whatever the opinions are is, doesn't matter. It''s, it's, yeah. it's your work it opened permanent. up a
3: lot of doors for me you know that the, being with we they connected me to a whole a bunch of other guys who got signed um, to Electra or were signed before them. Chris Hartford, you could talk about Chris Hartford and how he was essential played a part in, in their in their signing to Electra label. Um, he was signed first out of Princeton. New Jersey. Um, I believe he was playing bass for Matthew Sweet or something. And and uh, somehow or another, he got his, his train rolling and then and, um, and attracted record labels on his own. And the um, we, Ween, I guess, got signed because uh, the man, our cats, met Ween at a recording session that, that Chris had them on. And that was that. You hooked up. The perfect you want to talk about timing? All that perfect timing. I wish I witnessed a lot of perfect timing stuff.
0: Yeah, you're right place, right You
3: know, time. luck and perfect timing stuff like I'd never seen before, you know, during those you know, I was friends with a lot of these bands that got signed around here. And dumbass me, I didn't have a band at the time. But but one of the nicest things that Ween did for me again was uh, I did start a band. And they did have. Uh, they, they came out with Andrew when I, and I listened, and they loved it. And so they recommended that I do a demo for Dave Ayers. And if, if Dave Ayers could get me signed, well, uh, I did. I recorded, but uh, it didn't. It just didn't happen. But still, the opportunities they presented to me were just absolutely right.
0: amazing. It, it's it's you know giving giving gifts back.
2: Yeah, that's good.
0: And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to hear, like, you know, Ween has been my favorite band since I was a teenager. And the fact that I still get to see them perform live is, is, is a gift. And it's nice to know that they were also uh, in the gift giving business. Like, it's nice to know that they're nice guys. Like, that's just nice to know.
3: They're nice guys yeah, they're nice guys, you know, and, uh, you know, you go through your good and bad times. I went through some, some, you know, really pretty rough times and so forth. Uh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been in touch with these guys for, for years, but I'm sure we'll hook up again someday, yeah. you know, and, uh, and get something else going, hopefully. What's you your know? favorite, um, uh,
0: what's your favorite ween album and why?
3: My favorite ween album is white pepper i game. get it i get i get what they were going for you know white pepper you know uh, there's a lot of beatles on it mm-hmm. a lot of beatles influence musical moves i almost uh, the stuff that they i'm i could hear i could hear me and what I, I showed them as far as theory on almost every kind of song after you know the the from Pure Guava on I went oh 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 they're using it They're using it they're using it When I showed them And even Mickey on some video uh, That he posted um, Tells uh, uh, Made a comment about How I changed their musical direction It was on some sort of guitar instructional uh, Video Yeah I that, think that was uh, Matt Sweeney's uh, Guitar yeah. thing yeah. Right 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 Which I thought was just Wow! Wow! I was flattered. I was really, really flattered and floored. You know um, that because I I've been a teacher all, uh, all all of my life. I've I've taught probably over a thousand students in my time, and from 1977 on. And uh, you know these these guys gave me a nice tribute, whereas uh, and no one else ever did that for me. You know, and I've got, I've, 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 I've had guys uh, go on and especially when I taught in the late eighties, guys that went on playing for, for MTV bands like Dishwalla and Tonic and, and those kinds of bands that I, I taught, you know, bass or guitar and uh, whether it was, you know, teaching them for years or just a couple of lessons. I've heard a lot of musicians out there who, who uh, got recording contracts that I've, I've, I've taught. So um, and that continues on to this day. So, um, but they they were just uh, just very sweet in in, in doing that for me, you know, um, especially Mickey. That's, I mean, um, Ed,
0: you you gave yourself and you gave your skills and you gave your talents and you, you gave it to other people, and that's a that's a, that's a generous, it's a beautiful thing. And on hundreds
3: of, of, of hours movies. with hundred hundreds of hours with Mickey, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You know, because Aaron Aaron was just Aaron was a, a, is a totally different person, and, and um, Aaron was uh, Aaron was uh, not as available as, as Mickey was. Um, uh, I don't I don't know why, but but just it was just like that. And Aaron was Aaron was maybe intimidated. By me and my, my quest for them learning theory or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it scared him for a while. But then, you know, that it broke the ice that one day where he said, show me the John Mitchell chords. And I went, you know, these are major seventh chords, my friend. And do he you, was like, oh, you know, here we, you, remember here what you go with that bullshit. That, do
0: you remember what pushed the Little that? daisy? It was Push the Little Daisies. Yeah, Push the
3: Little Daisies. And I actually described that, that, um, that progression that he uses. I actually somehow or another said, you know, this is what Joni Mitchell does, and she goes from this chord to that chord, this chord to that chord, and that, it showed up on "Pushed a Little Date.
2: <laughs>
3: so it's like, okay. And
0: what? And about, um, do you have a favorite song? Yet? Yeah.
3: Well, I'll get back to the White Pepper. The reason why White Pepper is a as a favorite that record, the record company was, you know, they they're bummed out that Freedom of '76 didn't catch on, and 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 do what it was supposed to do um you know mtv did all they could to help we um you know and i i was just like well if you ask me you you released the wrong st- i can't put my finger on it and i i you released that as a single and holy crap that's that's just way too out there for 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 millions of, of people yeah that's a polarizing <laughs> so, song yeah, that's just wow, man. Seriously, uh, no, uh, and and then of course next album comes out, next album comes out. And I'm like, these guys are putting out brilliant fucking songs, and they're just too brilliant for commercial. They just are. That's it. They're not commercial is not worthy of we. You know.
0: I think it was uh, Dave uh, Grohl who said uh, "Freedom of '76" is the most beautiful song that he's ever heard.
3: I. I was floored I, by that. I wish I but could write a song fucking, as beautiful. This is as Ween This is Ween. They never fucking told me that they played that live with him. <laughs> yep. I had to find out on the internet. On the fucking internet. I was like, <laughs> You guys, what what the fuck? You know, here he it, it never told me about that. Like, that's kind of a coolness. They're not coming up and like, like puppy dogs going, "Hey, dad, we played with Dave Grohl," and he would, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's not like you know, they they, they figured I'll find out anyway. I guess, you know, it's like, it was kind of a cool, cool way of, you know, I'm, I'm, oh wow, surprise, 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 surprise. I'm on the I'm on the internet one day and I, I'm looking through weed stuff and what Dave Grohl plays. I seventy six with me. What?
0: And, and he wishes the guy who wrote Everlong, which is in the the new top. I think it's one of the top twenty rock songs of all time, according to Rolling Stone. Said yeah. he wishes. And I've never even met
3: Dave Grohl. I've never met Dave Grohl. I, am, am I going? to... Seriously. Well, funny think, stuff. I think. Funny call stuff.
0: Him. And I think you should call him. I should call him. I think him, it's huh? about time. Uh, favorite weed huh? song? Do you have one? And you can't pick favorite or seventy six. Oh, um, flutes, flutes, yeah, is, is, is a,
3: is just mind blowing to me. I, I just, uh, just love what everybody did on that record. Everybody. What, uh, what a studio performance that was. Um, wow. And, um, I, I like, um, there are, there are a few. Um,
2: uh, yeah, my, I'd
3: have to say I, I do like a lot of stuff off of White Pepper, um, and I I I know what they were doing. The record company was like, "This is your last shot. You know, our our contract's going to expire. We're dumping you. Whatever it may be, I I, I don't know. You know. We're not going to re-sign you. Or this is it. This is it. you got to you got to get hits off of this LP, and that's that." Yeah, they wrote an album, and that's... you know, even if you don't. Was a magnificent effort, and should have been, and should have been, in my opinion, a big one. That's 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 one of those catches.
0: Every every song should have been the one.
3: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah. Like and then and and then uh, Ocean
0: Man was the breakthrough. Late, like ten years um, after.
3: What stops? What. If he had sung, the, in my opinion, of course, as a producer, I mean, I, again, that's another one of my things. That, uh, in my my head, uh, uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm thinking, why didn't that song catch on? You know, with with the, with the millions of people, not just the mean fans. You know, they, they understand that they get it by now. It had to do with the voice, mm-hmm. the novelty voice. Aaron Aaron has an amazing ability to to with these different voices and to you know uh, sing however he wants to sing he could sound like a prince he could sound like whoever yeah you know his influence he's a great mimic he's and all of that his original voice
0: yeah, he's just which is like baby kind of like- bitch
3: voice is beautiful.
0: He's filled with you characters, know. and that, that was also something as a comedian that I was drawn to because each song is a different character, and all these characters have a different vocabulary that they that they speak in, and it let's, you know, we talked about on the podcast, ween words. Like, there are just words that come out of their music that you don't hear other bands using, and it's just like these these little turns of phrases, these little odd words, like uh, the only word that's popping in my head is lobe, like the word lobe, You don't hear the word "low," but that is very much like this, this, this little wean word. Um, We're out of time, Ed, but I have. I want to let. But listen quickly, just quickly, Um,
3: quickly. Back, we brought up his 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 voice, and I think if he had had not used that voice and he had sung it in his normal voice, that would have got reached and and been a single, a big single, for Ocean Man. And, you know, it's his back to basin basin voice, which, by the way, is my, is another one of my favorite songs.
0: Yeah, that's up there.
3: That's that song's mind blowing. Oh, Transdermal, thermal. Transderm- also, yeah, trans is my number one. I think probably I just listened to that the other day, and my mouth dropped to the yeah,
0: floor. I mean, just
3: I was like, yeah. wow. But then again, that would have been a hit in in freaking nineteen uh, whatever in in sixty nine. It would have been a hit. Or or seventy something, rather. And I think that would have have been a huge hit.
0: Another thing that I think about is is in the late '90s, when Clear Channel, when that stupid court case went through, when you you can consolidate all these radio stations, you know, it came down to one dude in Texas who's making the playlists for the country, and acts like Ween uh, get pushed to the side, and you know, and other other bands, and it's it just music just became the same everywhere and like you know there used to be bands that were real popular in the northeast and bands that were popular in california and and then everything just became this one thing and you know it i i mean it helped them make a lot of money if you were fortunate enough to be one of those things but it cut out a lot of uh you know other other bands and it it didn't let them Thrive in front of a big audience. Like White Pepper could have been a should have been a huge record.
3: It should have been. Yeah. I was pissed. I was I was like, "Fuck this record industry, this music business." You can't recognize this when you're done. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I was I was just aggravated.
0: So I want to add to the podcast no. know that you also played on uh, Champagne Jam. Uh, that
3: was from Champagne Rook. Jam. Champagne Jam. Yeah, quickly, Mickey called me up and goes, we've got to do this uh, dumbass song for this dumbass movie. <laughs> and we're hating every fucking moment of it. And I can't figure out this Southern rock bullshit and what's going on. Can you come in and play this? I said, yeah, of course. And so I went in, I listened, I played it. And were, I remember Aaron just shaking his head and going, fucking Ed Wilson. Fucking oh my Ed God. Wilson. <laughs> he always said that. He always said fucking Ed Wilson. Unbelievable. So anyway, and then I did a solo and Mickey did a solo and and so forth and so on. And the funny thing about that's another podcast, but I never liked anything I recorded with them because they only gave me like one or two tapes and I'm not that kind of musician. So (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, uh, the old school rock dudes who who spent like hours and hours and hours perfecting the solos and then went into the studio, nothing cold and spontaneous.
2: right?
3: But anyway, um, then, then, um, Let's see, what else am I on? I'll Miss You, which...
0: Producer Mikey's favorite song.
3: Ah, no kidding. Oh, they called me into the studio for a lap steel thing. Uh, they knew I played lap steel with Chris Harford on a couple of songs. And I um, and, uh, said, no, I'm going to come in because they, they just love the sound of that. And they like the way I played. So... I I'm not uncomfortable. With, I'm uncomfortable with that cut because I I'm I'm out of tune
2: oh,
3: no. on that, and I and I can hear it. I can it drives me crazy. But I'm really happy about the bass and extremely flattered that Andrew Weiss is a fucking killer Baseball, bass player, yeah. a master. Oh my god, Henry Rollins band, yeah. holy shit! I've known him ever. I've known him ever since he was 14 years old, and another story, but. Uh, you know, uh, uh, so for him sitting in the booth and, and just giving me this big smile and, and saying, why don't you play bass on this? I know you're a bass player. You play bass on this. And I looked at him and went, uh, to Andrew, you 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 play bass. Oh, my God. we seriously? He goes, yeah, but you're Ed Wilson. And I was like, oh, come on.
2: You're fucking seriously?
3: You're fucking Ed Wilson. They always, all of them said that all the time. So... But I was like, so I laid the track down, and uh, you know, a couple of um, things that I did on that song. Andrew just, and all these guys were just like tickled pink at what I was doing on the bass, and it was just another wonderful, magical moment that only those guys could provide, you know, uh, and so forth. And so, so I'll miss you, lap steel and and bass on that. And of course, the bass was done in one take, and I was like, holy crap! Maybe I should just be a bass player. I'm (laughs) satisfied. Uh, actually I do believe I'm a better bass player than I am a guitar player but um, and I always I was personally I was hoping to be uh, their bass player and the only reason I'm not their bass player is because one night we had a jam they knew I played bass and we had a jam and I overplayed
2: Uh.
3: (laughs) and they were like ah you know no stop that popping shit (laughs) you know stop that stop that crazy bass playing pyrotechnic bullshit nope (laughs) So anyway, but uh, I'm glad that Dave Dave uh, who I've played many gigs with uh, is is their bass player and Glenn I, I've, I've done a lot of gigs with all these guys but um, and they're they're the luckiest luck these two guys are, are the luckiest guys in the world to have the, the musicians that they have Glenn. oh yeah and uh, Glenn and and Dave are, are they're they're amazing amazing people amazing very very cool who, people who get it yeah.
0: Unbelievable! Know exactly what that song needs. The
3: chemistry, boy, did boy did everything just go right for for them, you know? To to, to witness chemistry, I mean, It's such just a to, rare to thing to
0: get Claude Coleman when they got Claude, like Kismet, I think is the word, right? It's just
3: it's, no it's, one else it's could perfect. be the drummer for Ween, but Claude.
0: No way, yeah.
3: I I you know uh, those. It's just yeah, Claude. He he got it. He's a cool, dude. <laughs> He's very cool. What an amazing talent Claude is. Uh,
0: And when we spoke, anyway, when we spoke briefly the other day, you told me the Nelson story and I would love to end with the Nelson story. If you would be so kind to replay this is, this brought me such a smile and I know everyone's going to love this story.
3: Early days of ween, of course I'm, I'm uh, after, after we both left El Taco Loco. Um, I moved on to a place in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, where I continued cooking and, and playing and all that. But uh, there was a a kitchen helper, a Hispanic dude. His name's Nelson. And uh, Nelson had a very unique voice and very hard to understand. Uh, attempting English, he's a very sweet guy, very sweet guy. And um, he was mistreated at, uh, I left this place because this guy was a complete asshole. It's terrible, terrible guy. And uh, Nelson got canned for some stupid reason. I can't remember what it was. And I pledged to Nelson that I would help him if ever, um, I could find him work because he was a great, great guy and a great worker and a very sweet person, hard worker in the kitchen. And, um, so I, when I got to El Taco Loco, uh, and Aaron was still there, of course, I, I and we needed help. I said, "I know this guy. I'll, 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 uh, I'll bring him in." His name is Nelson, and you can interview him. Uh, Nelson comes walking in um, shortly after, and doesn't tell Aaron that he's there for an interview for a job. Um, he 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 didn't understand it. Aaron was the manager, or something like that, or whatever. And, that, and he was the guy that was supposed to interview him. And so Nelson decides to order some food and 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 and, and, and uh, for him and his wife, and and sit down, and then I guess make an attempt to find out who he's supposed to interview. I think I was supposed to be there and couldn't make it, and I was supposed to help him out. Uh, so of course uh, Aaron got a taste of Nelson, <laughs> and. Uh, and Aaron is impersonating Nelson, to the T, to the T, and 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 uh, it becomes a song. And when I heard that, when I heard that, I I I, I just I, I was laughing when I told Aaron. I said, Aaron, you're so fucked up. And if you oh, haven't said, picked God. up what
0: song, <laughs> it's I like to start off with the basket of jeeps. Yeah, like exactly. I like guacamole cheese. And I like
3: to have a basket of this and a little have a basket of this and that. I mean, I heard that voice every day for months, you know, but I got used to it and was sympathetic towards it. Aaron was just like, "What the?" And
0: there is the birth of pollo asado. Thank That's you. That's the
3: birth of pollo. Thank you so
0: much, Ed. This has been yeah, man. A Thank you for for uh, combo, dude.
3: Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Let's catch up again. soon.
0: Let's do it. I hope you and yours are healthy. And uh, do you have any, any gigs, anything you want to plug? Now's the time. If you want, you can give out your cell phone number and I'm sure thousands of fans will start calling you and asking for stories. Anything. What's going on.
3: What's going on is now, um, I've, I've been putting this off for my entire life. I'm about to embark on a 40 song recording spree.
2: All right. And
3: that's going to take a couple of years. Um, and it's going to have a lot of a lot of uh, cool cats on it playing with me. I just possibly possibly might have a commitment from Living Color to do Freedom of '76 with me.
0: Oh my goodness! How about that
3: one? How about that one?
0: Well, Ed put together some sort of, uh, if you need like a money raising effort to help you put this out.
3: Oh, I do need a money raising effort. <laughs> I'm one, I want the whole entire world of wean fans to help me with this, <laughs> you know, cause it's going to, it's going to be expensive. I'm going to have to do the, do the starter thing, you know, yeah, whatever dude, that's like called Kickstarter.
0: I'm sure people are going to chip in Kickstarter bucks. thing.
3: Yep. And, um, of course, um, ween fans are amazing uh, and 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 are um, very lucky in their lives to experience um uh coolness and honesty and 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 just amazing shit from a band like like that to to, to make make all these and in
0: general we we don't have really much. seriously we don't have much but we give all that we can give that's it ed thank you for
3: so sure much, man. yeah brother Take care, man.
2: See ya.